Today, we're celebrating the feast of Michael and all angels and thinking about what angels might be like. Some research a few years ago suggests that more people in this country believe in angels than in God. And perhaps that isn't surprising when you think of how they are incorporated, they become part of our fluffy beliefs about the world and how those might seem appealing to many people. The word angel comes from the Greek word for messenger, angelos. So an angel is someone who's sent on an errand by God. That might be a special being or just a person who happens to be carrying a message. There are different descriptions of angels in different parts of the Bible, suggesting that there are many different sorts of angels or that angels can appear in many different ways. In Hebrews, we read that humans are just a little lower than the angels. The angels are a class of beings that are superior to humans. But God cares passionately about humans and angels are used in his service. So people see angels when God wants them to. And if most of the time we don't see them, well, most of the time we don't know what they're doing. When we get glimpses of them of, from scenes in heaven, they seem to be mainly worshipping God. As I said, sometimes angels in the Bible look like ordinary humans, such as the men who stopped and talked to Abraham and predicted the birth of Isaac. But often they're dazzlingly bright, such as at the tomb of Jesus, and in um, some of the apocryphal books, they have wings, many wings, often six wings. With their, two of their wings, they fly, two of the wings, they cover their bodies, and two of their wings, they cover their feet. Why would they cover their feet? Well, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, feet is often a euphemism. I'll let you work out what for. Angels appear particularly at key times in salvation history. So there are angels right at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Angels, as I said, met with Abraham at the beginning of the birth of a nation. Angels predict Jesus' death and are there at his tomb. And angels appear in the end times. The angel for whom we're named, Michael, particularly appears in the book of Revelation. He's a warrior, a warrior angel. But how do we understand his role there? And the book of Revelation may be made up of different sorts of material. The beginning of it, the first seven chapters, are letters to specific churches. But then it goes on to, to describe an extraordinary vision from St. John. And different commentators see this vision in different ways. Some see it as a prediction of the future. Some see it as a coded version of what was happening at the time because Christians were so threatened by the Roman Empire that maybe a lot of what is described, in fact, the, the, the evil are the Romans. 
maybe it's entirely allegorical. In our reading from Revelation, we hear Michael, see Michael fighting the dragon. And of course, we don't think that's a literal dragon. In fact, it says in the reading that the dragon is the devil. He stands for the forces of evil. And what we're given in the book of Revelation is a glimpse of a fight between good and evil in heaven, a fight of which we are not part. It goes on in realms beyond us and perhaps in a time beyond us too. But our assurance is that God wins, that love wins. So some of the angels in the Bible are easy to imagine spending time with in the sense that they bring good news, they act as messengers, they act as protectors, but they're not by any means all fluffy. Some are warriors, but all are working for God. So how would we know if we met an angel? There's that phrase, meeting angels, entertaining angels unawares. Perhaps we don't know. Perhaps we might meet them without recognizing them at all. I'm going to read you a meditation written by John Bell. It's called On the Bus. It's an imaginative meditation. So just, you might want to close your eyes and imagine yourself being part of this journey on the bus. You are sitting on a bus an ordinary single-decker bus going on an ordinary journey to your home or to a friend's home. There are only another three people in the bus, a woman with two children sitting near the front. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. It's a dull day and this makes you glad to be in the warmth. You're enjoying the journey, daydreaming looking out of the window, not being disturbed by anyone or anything. The bus stops and out get the mother and two children. The bus waits, then on comes an old woman, not very tall, but quite stout, wearing an old brown coat and a cheap green head square. In her arms, she is carrying a bundle of something or other. You can't quite see it until she pays her fare and comes up the bus, intending to sit across the passage from you. You look at her closely as she makes to sit down. Her brown coat, her cheap green head square with a rose pattern on the borders. She is quite stout and she has straggly grey hair which falls across her brow. And under her arm, she carries a bundle of newspapers evening newspapers. She looks around and sees you staring at her. Hello, she says. And you say hello back. As you look at her, you see that she has a round face, weather beaten, with two small piercing blue eyes, but a smiling face made comical because when she speaks, you see that her top front tooth is missing. She keeps looking at you, smiling. You feel you should say something. 
but you don't know what. Then you nod at the bunch of newspapers under her arm, and assuming her to be a street vendor, you say, Is that your full-time job? Oh no, this is just a very small part of my job, she says. So what do you do? you ask. And she smiles. I mean, what are you? you ask. And she smiles. I'm an angel, she replies. And you feel you want to snigger. You turn your head away to look out of the window and then you turn it back and say quickly, you're a what? I'm an angel, she says. No, you're not. Have you seen an angel before? She asks. No, but... No, but... You haven't seen an angel before, so you wouldn't know one if you saw one. Sometimes angels get dressed up as wrestlers with sweatbands on their wrists. Sometimes they get dressed up like building surveyors and carry plumb lines in their hands. And sometimes they appear like old newspaper sellers with grey hair and teeth missing. We don't always wear wings and halos, you know. You can hardly speak, but then you ask, what are you doing here? I'm doing what angels normally do, she replies. I'm bringing a message. Who for? you ask. For you. For me? But who from? From God. And while you stare in total disbelief, the old woman puts her hand into her brown coat pocket and brings out a blue envelope. Is this your name? she asks. And she shows you the envelope on which you see your name written, your first name in clear handwriting. Yes, you answer. Then it's for you. What's it about? you ask. And she says, it's the one thing you always forget. The one thing you'll need to remember if you're going to get anywhere in life. Pardon? It's the one thing you always forget. And the one thing you'll need to remember if you're going to get anywhere in life. Do you know what it says? You ask. Yes, and maybe so do you. She stretches out her hand and gives you the blue envelope with your name on the front. You accept it and look at it in total confusion. You want to pinch yourself to make sure that it's true. You look up again at the old woman, but she's not there. The bus hasn't stopped, it's still moving, but she's not there. So you've been having a daydream. And then you look at your hand and there is still the blue envelope with your name and in it a message from God, something you always forget. And you begin to wonder what it might be. What is it you always forget? Has it to do with your prayers? Has it to do with the church? Has it to do with some person you keep criticising? Has it to do with some habit you know you have to kick? What is it that you always forget? You begin to get scared. Your hands shake a bit. If God knows everything, then what's written in that envelope might be quite devastating. You look at the envelope again and you tug at the corner until it opens. 
You put your finger inside and take out a card, a white card. The side you look at has nothing on it. The message must be on the other side, the thing you always forget, the thing you need to remember. You turn the card over. There are four words in clear handwriting. I, God, love you. Is this what you forget? Is this what you have to remember? I, God, love you. And the you is underlined.